Welcome to the second episode of the Share Your Stories series. This is a podcast experience where we get to explore humanity one heart at a time. I am your host, Jenny Diltz, and I'm the founder of Grieving Coach. Before we begin, I wanted to share a little bit about the story behind this series. I've been connecting with some amazing people lately, and as I've been meeting with them and hearing their stories, I've been learning so much from them, and I wanted to give this gift of their experiences, their insights, their knowledge, their wisdom to others. And so I decided to make it happen, and that's how the Share Your Stories podcast got started. Today I'm excited to be talking with Boss Lebesque, who is an executive mindset coach helping senior and executive managers move from good to great in their career and personal lives. Boss is a goldmine of information and wealth of experience. From acknowledging his mom's choice of euthanasia when he was 12, to coming out as LHGBT as an adolescent, to being a towering white male giant among the Chinese when he lived there, he has learned to embrace who he is and share his uniqueness with others. So, Boss, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you very much for having me. You are a wealth of experience and, and knowledge and wisdom and nuggets of inspiration. Mm-hmm. I hope I can share some of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be fine. Okay. I think it'll be wonderful. Um, so when we first connected, you shared about how your mom died, uh, how your mom chose euthanasia. Yes, this was, um, so, I mean, I, I come from a very warm family and, and up till, till 10 years old, everything was, was fine. Nothing was happening, uh, nothing major. And then my mother got sick and she, um, her, her, her diagnosis was that she was, you know, maybe make it another six months. And, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. (laughs) I mean, she, she eventually, she, in the end made it another two years, but, um, she, she was very open uh about her sickness to to well to the family and and to to me and my sister um and this was in the in the early 80s when uh euthanasia in in uh in the netherlands was still illegal mm-hmm. but um and it wasn't really told to us as such when it happened but it was like you know we're giving we're going to give her an injection she will sleep and she will give up fighting and then uh and then she'll yeah she'll die uh but that was i mean it was so obvious for me i i i had heard about euthanasia and i was like you know this is just it's obvious and it's also a very natural thing to do i mean i um yeah, I mean, I, I, I understood my mother's choice that she, she didn't want to go to the end. I want to, like, she wanted to decide her own, um, yeah, her own death, basically. And I thought that was, you know, back then, even I was 12 years old, and I thought that was such a, such a powerful thing for a person to do, you know, if you are faced with, 
you know, you 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 have a husband and two two small children, and you know the you know the end is unavoidable, uh, and you, yeah, you want to choose it your way. Um, so it was, you know, there's the week uh, up to let's say the the event or the euthanasia. There's people coming by to the house and uh, saying. Yeah, saying farewell, and there was also, and she was also like very strict. It's like, no, no, I don't want to see him. <laughs> I don't want to see her. And they were had to, they just had to wait outside, you know, because they would come and they would come in one car, and she was like, no, no, it's only it's only he or she can come into the house. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, this apparently, I mean, that's she was very like, she knew well, she, well, in the way that she had to go, she knew what she wanted, and I thought that was so so incredibly powerful um and for me it wasn't i mean i wasn't knowledge about knowledgeable out about the law back then um so for me you know it was a natural thing and only later i find out i found out it was uh it was illegal um and i was you know, I was walking, well, not walking around, but, you know, I I would say to certain people, you know, my mother committed euthanasia without realizing that her doctor could have faced serious consequences for doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I turned 18, my, my, my father decided to tell me and my sister that's what they did because now we were adults. And I was like, well, you know, you're not telling me anything new. I know this. Yeah. But I mean, the legal aspect of it, of course, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know. And I mean, I'm, I'm still so very grateful for, uh, for this doctor that he uh, facilitated it. Um, and honored my mother's wishes, um, which is a uh, um, yeah, which was a very brave thing of him to do as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, yeah, that's that's that story. <laughs> Wonderful. How did it? I just, so, oh yes. Well, I mean, and that's. I mean, I and that's. I I still don't understand. You know why? If I look at today's today's world or today's society, why? You know, choosing your your own way to go is such a is such a. I mean, it's like surrounded by so many taboos and like mm-hmm. judgments, and and it's like you know, it's 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 if you want to choose another way, you know, and whatever reason you want to choose your way, and if you want to take it all the way to the end, and you know, and you want to you want to go you know the, the medical route until you know to, until nothing is left i mean that's that's a choice too i mean I, I i don't i don't judge that you know and even if you if you do it out of religious reasons that's fine too but uh, you know that's that's a, that's an ending you choose as well you know and, and i'll respect that so why if someone chooses another ending it should be uh yeah it should be penalized or it should be um, yeah, all of a sudden you end up in court, where a lot of times it's done out of uh, uh, out of compassion, and I mean, it's also um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just up to the individual, and I think it's really an individual choice. And I do understand, you know, from a government perspective, you have to get rules in place, and 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 you know, you need to have certain checks. But it's, um, yeah, just make those those checks available and make those procedures available, and um, yeah, that's it. And I mean, I think doctors, you know, they don't want to. Well, some doctors want to go as far as they can, but you know, I know there's other doctors that say, you know, enough is enough, and just, uh, um, you know, yeah, we all have to die, and we only do it once, and we, we don't know, you, know, yeah, you know, we can only do it once. So, what is what is the right what is the right way? Yeah, I love that you have the um, that your mom showed you the power of choice, and she chose uh -huh. powerfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did. Very remarkable. I mean, I'm just like, it's, 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 uh, yeah. It was a, it was a very powerful, powerful lesson. Uh, and it was openly dis well, discussed, you know. Did you feel marginalized um, because of your mom's choice? No. No, no, it was more, I mean, it was, um, you know, after it happens, you know, and she was my, she was my, uh, yeah, my soulmate and my go-to person. But after it happened, it was, I was more dealing with, with, with questions. It's like, you know, why did this happen to me? Why did I deserve this in some kind of way? You know, it's, uh, uh, life is so unfair uh um yeah why this happens to me and not to other people you know um i'm really starting to question uh life in itself and and um the purpose of life and and even if you know there were even times where i was questioning whether i still wanted life you know it's not not that i like suicidal thoughts but it was like you know maybe maybe it's just easier if, if i don't have to go through all this you know and that's kind of where where that thought stopped but um yeah that's uh those were way more struggle bigger bigger struggles than uh yeah feeling marginal margin, marginalized by my by my mother or put aside no no how did you navigate through those big life questions? Um, well, like the first years after uh, after my mother's death, I, I also found out that where I was also dealing with my sexuality, which was a very uh, having to deal with these two things at the same time and not being, you know, really hungry for for adult uh, conversations, but, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no adults, you know, that, that can talk about, well, that, that's not, that's not true, but, you know, adults find it very difficult to talk about the loss and, and pain, you know, they're like, after three months, it's like, wow, it's time to move on, you know, where you're like three years in and you're still like, like struggling. So, um, yeah, for like a 12 or 13 or a 14 year old to reach out to an adult. And it's like, 
you know, I, I have all these issues <laughs> I need to talk about. There, there, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's it's it was never a satisfying uh, conversations, you know, or conversation or until you you get answers like, you know, things will work out and you will be fine and yeah, but it's not there was no there was a lot of guidance was missing, you know, uh, which I was really really hungry for. Um, so how do you, I mean, I just, it was a storm and I just set the storm out. Basically I waited till things started to quiet and quiet down and, uh, I rebelled at school and I was screaming for attention, um, uh, which I wasn't, I wasn't given basically. I, I, they gave me a carte blanche to, to, to mess up school. It's like, okay, you know, this kid has a problem, it's fine. Uh, nowadays, I think it will be totally different back then. But back then, you know, there was like no, not really any control. You know, I had I had one chat with my school director and my class uh, mentor. And my father wasn't present. And I was called into this room and I was like, oh, we're going to talk about this. And you, and I, I remember thinking, it's like, you haven't invited my father. I was like, what kind of conversation is this? And uh, so I had the, the conversation and I was basically like, oh, okay. You kind of like, you know, I can basically do any, anything I want in this school now. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you, you'll, you have my back. And, you know, I just, I became, I became messy and, <laughs> and, and, uh, uh yeah, um, a very, very big mouth to teachers. And I, you know, I did all kinds of things, smoking in class, jumping out of the window and all. And I was like, okay, it's no problem. It's no problem. It's no problem. And I was like, okay. And I did this with other people, with other kids. And they were all, they were all letters sent to their, to their parents. And they were, they were, uh, you know, they weren't allowed to come to school for a week or two. And I never one letter went home. And I was like, it's like, yeah, it was that was that was weird, but uh, yeah. So I set out the storm, and then when I when I started going to university, things started to change, and I was uh, I mean I felt freer uh, around my sexuality, and it felt like I could make a new start uh, in a new in a new environment with new people where I didn't really have that like like baggage or uh, it, where it didn't feel like uh, so much like a storm. That's awesome. Um, so how did that university freedom um, allow you to find yourself and find the answers that you needed? Oh, it took a lot longer to find to find the answers that I needed, but just to, I mean, I I really wanted to have like, in that moment to to feel free and to, uh, to, yes, yeah, to to start living and enjoying life, and that that's really what I did. You know, I was I was making friends. I was. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just really really a fun time. I I I went to the to the U.S. for a traineeship, and I uh, it was just I started to really open up and to explore, and uh, um, um, yeah, that was also a lot of fun. And I had the freedom to uh, 
uh, yeah, to, to start experimenting with, with, with men and, um, yeah, without having the, um, the, uh, I mean, I, I never felt I could be that free, uh, with my father. Um, and I, I mean, I, 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 I told him, uh, just before I turned 18. So, um, yeah, that really, uh, I mean, I could not have like brought guys back, back home because that would, would have been, would have been weird, <laughs> but, uh, um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's when that started and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, you mentioned not having the structure or the discipline in your earlier years before you got to uni. Um, did you have some structure or routine set up, um, like boundaries in uni? No, not really. No, I, uh, um, but I'm, I'm not sure what kind of boundaries you mean. So in, in your younger years, like your adolescence, mm -hmm. would you have, um, learned the lessons or gotten the support, the attention that you needed, um, if somebody had, um, like not given you the, the white blanc in school, uh -huh. um, actually, Oh, those kind of boundaries. Yeah. Held you to the consequences of your uh -huh. actions. Oh yeah. I mean, in, uh, in, in, uh, um, but I mean, I was also, I was, I was also becoming an adult, you know, and I was like, just, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to live a life without, without boundaries or without any like, yeah, discipline. So, um, I, um, yeah. And I wanted to be, I, you know, I wanted also to, I also had a desire to become successful in, in this was hotel management. Um, so that was going to be my career and I wanted to make that, a. uh, a success and I, I know I knew even from my upbringing you know that you need to yeah you need to have discipline or you know uh, to to be to create a success you know you, success is not coming to you you have to create it yourself that was that was very clear to me um, and up you know even like in elementary school and even in uh, in high school you know I, I wanted to to have good grades till a certain time, until a certain moment. And then I just basically said, you know, I, I don't, I don't give a shit anymore. And, you know, my, my race just started to drop. Um, but you know, that, that idea of like performing and getting the right, the right, uh, rates. Yeah. That, that was, was important to me. So when I went to uni, that was important as well. So it sounds like you had um, self-discipline and that yes. was all that you needed. Yes. Yes. I mean, and that was my, 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 you know, my mother, my, my father and my mother had, uh, had planted the seeds for that. So um, yeah, that's credit to them. Um, yeah. It's not, I was not like completely, like completely wild, <laughs> but it was like just more like, yeah, wanting to get attention that I that I didn't get, basically. Got it. Um, 
you also mentioned spending some time in China. Yes. And being the only white male there. Oh. <laughs> Can you share more about that experience? Yeah, so I went after after hotel management school, I went to Shanghai and this was in 1996. Um, and Shanghai was pretty pretty Chinese still, you know. Now it's this big metropole where you know there's limited uh, limitless possibilities. When I was there, you know, and I'm I'm not a very tall guy. I'm I'm 182. Uh, I couldn't buy clothes. The, the only the only two things you could do for entertainment was bowling and karaoke. So I I became a very good bowler. <laughs> Something I would never like uh, like pick up uh, here. But you know, there was there was just like bowling alleys after the next. I'm just like every, everybody was bowling and singing karaoke. I can't sing. So. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was it was funny to to uh, they in, in Shanghai you, they they have the Bund uh, which is the, along the river where everybody goes during the weekend, and I would I would go there and uh, yeah, being being pretty blonde and uh, uh, like people would come up to me, it's like, can I take a picture with you? Can I take a picture with you? It's like, yes, you can. Can I touch you? And I'm like. You want to touch me? <laughs> it's like, where do you want? Yeah, I just want to feel your skin. It's like, oh, okay. You want to feel my head? Just feel it. And it was like, it's just, it's just hilarious. And I also went into, like, they just opened one of the first subway lines. And when I went in there, I mean, it was like one of the biggest subway trains that I've seen. And it was see-through from one way, from one side to, to the other side. And it was like, that was just only... <laughs> It's only Chinese and me. And then it's like, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, it's just like such a weird sensation. It's like, oh my God, I'm the, I'm, 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 I'm the only one, you know. <laughs> now, of course, when you, go, when you go there now, I mean, there's so many foreigners now that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, but that was, a, yeah, that was a fun experience. Um, yeah. What did it teach you about diversity? Um, that, I mean, one of the, that was like, it's a, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, of course, I don't know what other people feel, but you know, there's like, that was like for the first time I was like, okay, you know, that's what it might feel if you're the only black person in the room, you know, or the whatever, or the only gay person in the room, or, you know, if you're, if you're standing out so much, if you're the only woman in the room, you know, um, and that's, um, and what it also taught me is maybe not that moment so much, but, um, you know, we, as a gay community, we talk a lot about uh, coming out and, and, and how coming out never stops. Uh, but I was talking to this, uh, well, black woman, a woman of color, um, good friend of mine. And she's, uh, and she was also like, she was explaining, you know, that every time she walked into a meeting room, 
you know, not, not all the time, you know, but it's always like, you always have this question is like, you know, how are they, how are they receiving me? You know, are they, do they notice my color? Do they notice I'm a woman? You know, do they have any, any ideas about, uh, well, do they feel superior over me? You know, what if they, what if they realized, you know, uh, that I'm a woman of color, <laughs> you know, where it's quite obvious, you know, but it's still like, you know, she was, she was playing the same mechanisms in her head as the, the the ones that I'm playing, you know, when I walk into this room, it's like, oh my, you know, let's, what happens if they find out that I'm gay, you know, do they, do they notice? Will, do they think anything about it? You know, will there be uh, repercussions, you know, small or big, you know, and, and she was doing the same thing. And um, yeah, so in being in that, being in that, in that subway and also being in China where, you know, and I mean, I, I really sensed uh, a white privilege um, and it's, it's, it's just ugly, you know, it's, it's like, you know, where, you, where all these people are like, they just, they put you on a pedestal just because of the, the color of your skin, you know, they, they just think, you know, that well, white is, is, is a better image. And also in the, you know, in the, in the Chinese culture, the lighter you are, the better you are, the less poor you are. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't asking or, or, or yeah, let alone <laughs> demanding white privilege, but it was given to me on a golden platter, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you're, you are amazing. And why? Yeah, for the, for the color of your skin and your blue eyes and your blonde hair, which was, which I found, which I, I, I did struggle with. It's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just like you, you know, there's nothing, you know, we're both working in, in the same hotel, you know, you, there were, there were people uh, in China, Chinese people in higher positions than I was at the time. And they were still like treating me like, oh, Mr. Boss, Mr. Boss. And it's like, yeah, it's like, no, it's, it's, yeah, it was a weird sensation. And I've experienced that in many other places in the world uh, where I, um, yeah, I mean, I don't like that feeling, to be honest. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, what can we do to, to help, like, decrease that, uh, default white supremacy, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I mean, it's, you, you can only do it then you, oh, I mean, I tried to do it in my, in my life, you know, I tried to create uh, a lot of diversity um, and dealing yeah, with, with people of all walks of life. Um, I mean, for example, you know, when I, when I lived in Paris, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's a big Arab and African uh, uh, presence from colonialism. Uh, and so that they are way more present in that society than they are, let's say, in the Dutch society. Um, and they've, they've climbed the, the corporate ladder way, way higher than they have in the Netherlands which is, um, 
yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things wrong with that, of course. But it's, um, I try to bring that back to where I am right now. And, 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 you know, yeah, whenever, whenever it comes up, you know, um, educate people more, educate, you know, share my stories with people uh, in my, uh, uh, in my surroundings, in my life. And um, I also, you know, the executives I work with or the managers I work with, I try to uh, put diversity on the agenda as well. And that, you know, that diversity goes a lot further than, you know, the, the, the male female uh, division, but, you know, around the whole, uh, the whole scheme of things, you know, or like possibilities, you know, race, religion, uh, a bit able, disabled, uh, you know, sick, not sick, mental, you know, there's, there's so many people that are, I've, I've heard something that's 40, 40% of the population that have mental, some kind of mental issue, uh, but, you know, not on the work, not on the work floor, it doesn't happen, you know, uh, when you're, when you had a burnout, you're, you, uh, you become toxic, you know, it's like, yeah, but, you know, let's fix it. You know, let's create. So let let's try to create something better that these burnouts don't happen anymore. Yeah, where can we start in in helping to fix that and helping to educate people? Well, start start the year, start in your own micro uh, world, and and uh, yeah, start living by by example. I heard I had a discussion with someone and just he was basically said you know if you let's let's say you know if you look at your at your work area you know you take a you remove all the people of your same that have the same color as you you remove all the people that are in within five years of age and and the same gender you know what are you left with if you're lucky you're left with one person you know it's like it's like it's so, it's like everything, everything is the same. So what can we do um, for people who are in the corporate or people um, in their own personal lives? Mm -hmm. What can we do? How can we incorporate diversity more? Yes, yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if I have the, like, I mean, you just have to, next time you hire someone, you know, be, be bold and be, you know, give some, give someone else the opportunity, you know, and don't stick into your own, like little, your into your own little box and try to, try to, uh, yeah, to think out of outside of that little box, and the moment you start, you start embracing that, you know, you will see, you will see the result. You will have a wider the, the two of you or the ten of you, you know, will have such a wider perspective, uh, and that just and that will create beautiful things, and and you know, it creates more profit, and that's proven all over. You know, the more diverse teams create create happier, happier companies, create more profitable companies. And the moment it goes all the way up to the board, you know, it, it becomes even more profitable. Um, so yeah, 
it's uh and I, I mean i don't want to necessarily just talk about profit but that's that's a very nice side effect of it you know and then you can really and then you can uh um create a ripple effect you know if, you, if your company becomes richer and better performing you can hire more people you can create more diversity etc etc and then uh, um, like that things will start to uh, start to evolve wonderful um i'd like to explore how your experiences as a teenager led mm -hmm. you to where you are today? Well, as I said, I, uh, yeah, I was, I, de I was dealt a shitty hand early in life. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that was my hand and that's totally fine. You know, I don't, I don't want to victimize it, but that's really where, where I started questioning, you know, and I also, I also wanted to live a meaningful life. I was like, you know, I wanna, I, I wanna die smiling, you know, when I die, I wanna say, you know, I, I, I took everything out of it, but it took me, it took me not, it took me not one, it took me not two, it took me three careers to, to find out, uh, or maybe even like a, like you can add a fourth one as well, to find out that I, uh, what my purpose is. But maybe I also needed to learn all these things to, to be able to become an executive mindset coach. But um, yeah, I went. I, I mean, I started working in hotels where I worked a hundred. The first hotel in China, I worked a hundred hours a week, and that was that was just brutal, you know. And the second hotel I worked in, I only worked nights, so I was working in two hotels for two years. I hadn't seen the the light of day and i was like this 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 needs i was smoking two packs of cigarette a day i was like if i continue like this you know i'll be i'll be doing <laughs> i'll be dead before before my mother uh, uh before my mother's age when she died and i was like did that kind of that just cannot happen so i changed and i changed into 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 banking and i became a trader and i became very successful at that as well but I, I started to create a golden cage, you know, with all the all the material benefits of it and and and, and a certain lifestyle. But it was it was just it just felt empty. It just felt empty. And I then I went on a I took a two year break, which was amazing. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. But and I was also hoping in that break that I would find my that I would find my purpose. But I didn't, and I now know why I didn't, you know, because I wasn't doing the inner work I needed to do and to resolve like my limiting beliefs that I created in my, in my early childhood. Um, and that took, you know, I, I picked up another career now as a consultant in, in financial markets, um, just creating a, a, a bit of a bigger golden cage um but it was still a golden cage but i started i started to do the inner work and i look back at my at my journey and i i i got some teachers and and that's how i came to 
to mindset coaching. Um, and I, um, as we were, what we spoke to about earlier, you know, about discipline, I'm, I'm now, you know, people now tell me I'm, t- I'm too disciplined and maybe, maybe I am a little bit, but you know, I, I like, I, I, yeah, it gives me it, you know, when I do things, I want to do them right. You know, it's like, I, I, I go in three times a week, I sit in cold water and it's like, I could do it every day, but, you know, I've decided to do it three times and I, I commit to that, you know, because I think that's a, that's a right amount, but, you know, some people think that's rigid, but that's, I mean, that's what I like. That's how I see the benefits. I feel the benefits. Um, and that's, uh, um, yeah, that's what I like. And that's also, you know, that's the learning I had and I can give that now back to the people I work with. I hear uh, the recurring theme of the power of choice, choosing powerfully, um, mm-hmm. whether that's too disciplined um, or not, it's what works for you. And mm-hmm. you're choosing powerfully to live your best life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, some 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 choices come very easy. Some choices come extremely difficult. You know, the first time I I decided, well, when I decided to leave uh, my job as a financial trader, um, it took me three years. It took me three years and it was, it was, it felt like at the time, one of the hardest thing to do. And I, and I thought I was going to end up living on the street, you know, if I would give up, if I would get out of my, my golden cage, you know, there was, there was only two options, the golden gate, the golden gate, golden cage or the street which is like completely insane uh but i just didn't see another option it's like okay you know what am i gonna do what am i gonna do you know it's like if i don't want to do this you know what am i what's next and um so i saw (laughs) i was just talking to somebody about that today I saw Lehman Brothers collapse. They were, I had friends working there and they were my client. And, you know, we, we were just watching it on the news, like basically yeah, collapsing. And like, we saw people taking out their boxes and it's like, oh, kind of, you know, we were, we were in a way kind of making fun of them. Let's look at them, look at them, you know, like that would never happen to us. Four, four weeks later, exactly, well, we didn't have to take out our boxes but we were saved by the government, but we were like, basically we were, we were going bankrupt, you know, but the government saved us. But that like was such an unreal uh, time. And in that time I was deciding, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And not, not so much because of these, uh, these, these events in the financial markets, but I just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my colleagues, they continued on for, for years and years to do, to do the same kind of business, but I just didn't want to do it. And I, and I, and I left and I, I'll never forget when I, when I, I think I was home for a week and then I left for Brazil and I, I, I sat in the plane and I, I, 
I flew via Madrid, but I I, I cried for, for 12 hours. It was just like sobbing and I couldn't stop. <laughs> and I was like, the guy next to me, what must he be thinking? But I was just like, it, there was just so much tension and 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 build up of that decision and and uh, uh, the insecurity of what was going to come next. And I was just like, I just needed to, I just needed to get it out. And by the time I arrived, I was I was calm and. And I was like, okay, you know, we're ready to start. We're ready to start a new life. Um, and that was like, yeah, the power of choice. It was, it was, it was so, so hard. Um, but, you know, having made that choice, made all my career choices ever afterwards so much easier. It's like, you know, if I want to, if I quit, I just quit and I just go do something else. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care if I need to, if I need, if it needs, if it takes me three years to, to, to build up something new or to, uh, you know, of course there were, there were moments where I thought, you know, I might not a little bit old to start something new again, but then I'm like, no, I don't care. You know, it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it, you know? And um, yeah, I make a, a lot less money than I did back then, but I'm I'm so much happier, I'm freer. I, uh, yeah, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wanna go, uh, I wouldn't wanna go back there ever. What would you tell people who are trying to break out of their own golden cages? Um, it's not as it's not as scary as you think. It's really not. It will just it will it will be a blessing in the sky because you've been looking like this for for I don't know how long for years and now all of a sudden like the world is open and you can create anything you want. You really can. And just just go for it, you know. And that's the security you think you have and you're in your in your golden cage you know if you're an employer to to decide to take away your cage you're <laughs> you have to create it then you know why not create it uh create it on your own terms and there's like there's many 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 people that were like with me in that in that in that situation they were they were made redundant and they were miserable they were miserable. Um, and I mean, that's, I'm, it's, I say this without judgment, but if you, if you ever, if you ever think of this, you can make it work, whether you have the money or you don't, but um, yeah, you can, you can make it work. And I mean, it, it does come with, it does come with, with, uh, with, with tough choices. I mean, uh, you know, if it means you have to give up your car, you know, for example, I don't have a car anymore. Um, do I miss it? No, not at all. Um, but do I want to work for a car two days a month? No, no. <laughs> it's two full days, you know, and I mean, and you need the car to work, but I mean, that's, yeah. And then with, with, in today's world, I mean, there's so many sharing options, uh, you know, you can pay as you go and it, that's, a, that's it's a lot cheaper. 
So yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of other choices, but if you really start looking into uh, to what what you what you own and what you what you spend money on and all the stuff we 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 want to buy and want to throw away and you know if you would stop just doing that then that would just like I mean it would save you a couple of days work a month and that's, that's freedom yeah so I got rid of 75% of my stuff <laughs> And That's you odd. find that freeing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I did that two years ago in a week. In a week. I just got rid of everything. Well, not everything, 75% of my stuff. But a week later, I was like, what did I throw away? And I was like, I couldn't think of anything, you know. It's, yeah, okay, you know, there's like one jacket I really enjoyed and like some CDs that I that I that I that I gave away, you know, but that's more like, you know, they're my favorite artists, you know, so, or my, my favorite singer. So of course I know I have the, uh, those, uh, that I had those CDs, but that's, you know, I gave away so many books. I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you which book I gave away. Um, it's, and I'm like, it's gone, you know, it's empty. It's great. It's great. So um, that piques my interest because a lot of times with grief, um, when somebody dies, you have to then go through and clean the house. And sometimes that can be an insurmountable task. So what allowed you to um, choose that freedom to be able to give away half of or 75% of your stuff? Well, it's very interesting you said that because my... my uh... Well, I, I, of course, did not have to go through my mother's stuff uh, because I was too young. But my mother was, she was cleaning out her own clothes. It's like, you need, this needs to go, you know, I don't want, she was telling my father, it's like, I don't want you to have to deal with this. So I'm going to clean it up myself. So, um, and she did that in like in, in, in her one of maybe the last week or the week before. Uh, and the closet was empty. I mean, there was maybe this much of clothes was left of her. And uh, yeah, that was, um, but I must admit, you know, I, I went into, into to, to, to times where I, I used buying to, or consume to numb, you know, after a day of hard work or, being bored at the office, it's like, oh, you know, I had such a, I had such a tough week. Let's buy something. Let's buy some shoes. Let's buy this. Let's buy that. And you know, it was, yeah, that's not, that's not, it's not helping. Um, so I'm not. I don't have a lot of uh, memorabilia, if you can say it, of my mother never had and I never been really uh, attached to to any of that uh, any of that stuff uh, yeah even like remains like ashes or like tombstones or that kind of stuff that never really 
It's never really done anything for me. Um, but I mean, I <laughs> maybe this is also a fun story. I, well, one of my best friends, she has a, a, a funeral service. So I, uh, I work on funerals as well. And I've, I've, I've uh, um, how do you say that? So I, I organized a funeral for, for, for families as well, where I'm like, well, I don't know what you would call that um, in English. But then, I mean, then, then, so yeah, I'm also, I don't know, maybe fascinated by that whole uh, process as well. And what I, it's, what I find funny, you know, or funny, it's, it's not really funny, but um, a lot of these people, or a lot of the, the, the clients basically, they are so, busy with the body and like you know they want to be i i that's 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 just not for me you know and i i i've never seen a loved one uh dead and i think i've seen more bodies in my life than than an average person but never never the people i love you know it's like i didn't even see my i didn't even i didn't even see my mother when she when she when she i saw her pass away and 10 minutes later, we left the room and I never saw her again. And I never, never regretted that in my life. Um, and that's, yeah, I want to, I want to keep that, I want to keep the, uh, um, the memory alive. Now I must say, you know, I've never been in a position where a loved one died from one minute to the next, you know. Let's say my sister, you know, I will get a call now and it's like, my sister is dead. I don't know how I will respond. If I would say I would want to see her, I just want to see her, her. No, I just want to see that she's dead. But, you know, I might go see see the body for, for a minute or so to really see it. But I would not sit there for hours and hours and hours. And I would not want her. I wouldn't want to have her in my house. <laughs> and she, I mean, we've, we, I, I've, I'm very open with her about that. And she's like, she, she doesn't want, she doesn't want to be in, in, in my house or like, she, she doesn't want me to sit there. She's like, oh, please, that's not, that's not do that. And I mean, so it's, uh, you know, my, my grandparents, they passed away, of course, and it's, it's a big family, you know, my, my mother came from a family of nine. So there's like all these aunts and uncles and cousins and, and nephews and I don't know what. And they were all like around the, the coffin, closing the closing the coffin. And my sister and I were outside. It's like, let's go outside, you know, let's go for, uh, we don't need to be here. We don't need to see this. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's funny. We're funny in that way. I don't know. But it's, uh, yeah. That's just that's just us. I mean, if you know, if if people want to spend hours and hours with next to the disease that they love, I I, I that's their choice, you know, and that's I'll respect that, you know. I'm not gonna say you shouldn't do this. No, if that's really what you want to do. Uh, that's uh, uh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I knew I knew someone who uh, who she wanted to. Her her husband was a uh, uh, in there in there in the he was how do you say that like uh, 
place on their bed for for a couple of days and she's like i wanna i wanna sleep next to him for the last night and i was like yeah i, I didn't think i would ever do that but it's like you know you've been talking about this for for days now do it you know if you don't you know if you don't if you don't you know you'll 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 regret it all the rest of your life if you're there and you don't enjoy it get out of the bed and go sleep in another room you know just do it it's like it's it yeah it's, it's not funny it's like no it's not funny it's what you want you know so do it and uh don't uh, that whatever what, what everybody else think it's like it doesn't matter you know this is this is this is your your journey you know it's not mine uh i wouldn't do it but you know if you want to go for it yeah um and again the power of choice is coming through oh um, yeah yeah <laughs> it's and something that i find as uh as a grief worker is every grief journey is is individual mm -hmm. and um what works for one person doesn't work for another and it's no it all goes back to the power of choice and choosing um choosing your best death choosing your best end, however that looks for you and choosing your own grief journey and processing grief in your own way whatever that looks like and um bringing in the diversity aspect and inclusion um to one give ourselves permission to own and honor our choices and also to give other people permission to own and honor theirs Absolutely. It is really, yeah, it, it is, it is, yeah, it's what you say. And now, I mean, I've never really thought about the power of choice, the way you, you, you mentioned it now and you, you emphasize it, but it's, it's, it's really about that. And that's also what I, you know, what I try to create with my clients, you know, do what works best for you, not for me, you know, some people, some clients come to me and they're like, oh my God, this guy does CrossFit three times a week, exercise six times a week, sits in cold water, is a vegetarian. I need to do all that if I want to work with him. No, you know, we're going to find something that works for you. We're going to find a movement that works for you and not, not what I do. You know, if you, if you, you hate CrossFit, I can go tell you, go do CrossFit. Like that's ever going to happen. No, I mean, that's not, it doesn't work. Find your movement of choice, you know, if you and whatever that is, if that if that's dancing, if that's gymnastics, if that's rowing, if that's swimming, if that's just walking, you know, do whatever you do it, do it is good for you. And you will you will find the benefits and then uh, you you create a better life for you or you create a better death for you, you know. It's it's that's really what it is. Thank you so much, Boss, for being with us. This has been incredible. You're very welcome. It was a very, it was a pleasure. You know, I love, I love talking about, yeah, power of choice and 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 all these things. And it's, uh, I'm happy it's it's discussed more and more, but it's still like. Yeah, it's still, there's still so many taboos around it, you know, and we need to, we need to crush them. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important for us to be sharing our stories and to be reaching out and including other people um, and embracing our choices and allowing other people to embrace theirs. Absolutely. I mean, you can only choose freely if you let someone else choose freely as well. Agreed. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for being with us. Um, until next time, enjoy your stories, choose powerfully, and create the dreams that you want. Thank you, Jenny.